Welcome to Rock Shop Talk. Our show talks best practices, fun anecdotes, and the latest cutting-edge technology in our field to kick your screen printing gears in a hyperdrive. Today's episode features best screen printing shop operation practices. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be right back. All right, I want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. Today, we are discussing best screen printing shop operations practices with Valerie and Eric Solomon of Night Owls Print. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm Ross. I think we all know that at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, President of Rock US, alongside me here is our creative director, Mr. Merrill Caps. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're in the same place, we're just in rooms that are like five feet apart from each other. Yeah, we're, we're being COVID responsible. Very COVID, COVID Indeed. friendly. Indeed. Um, wanted to kick off just some quick updates. Uh, wanted to give a, a huge shout out and thanks to everyone who joined us at the Impressions Connect show um, last week. It was awesome. Really good attendance uh, at the show. So thank you, Impressions, for putting that on. Um, for sure. A lot of videos and resources for people. We had a lot of people perusing our digital booth. Um, it's, it's, a little it's still different live, right? It's, it's still it's, live. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. they're going to keep it live until March. So if people awesome. haven't gotten the chance to go check it out, go uh, peruse all the content that they've got up mm-hmm. and uh, drop us a line. Um, also uh, focus of this month uh, for us is going to be the Lotus Holland. We've got some great uh, video content uh, that's going to go out a lot of how to's and stuff. So check out the website, um, fill out a form if you're interested in getting more information uh, on the Lotus and uh, taking away the nastiest job in screen printing. Um, cleaning screens sucks. And if you <laughs> sign up, you might get an email that says screening clean suck because it, <laughs> it, it does. So I want to make it simpler. We may talk somewhat as some of that uh, today, actually. So um, and then also want to give a shout out to uh, Tyler and Alexa in-house prints uh, for rocking the video uh, on uh, rock registration and yes. providing us a illustrator template uh, for folks to download um, to follow along with their videos. So big anywhere, shout out guys. Thank you. Anywhere near New Jersey, you guys have to check out the business. They're super cool people and big fans. Thank you again, Tyler and Alexa. Rock on. Absolutely. Well, cool. Without further ado, I want to introduce Eric and Valerie at at Night Owls and uh, have them share a little bit about their business, when you guys started, what you do, just kind of some background on on your business, and then we'll kind of jump into some questions. Uh, I'm Eric. That's Val, in case it's uh, (laughs) unclear. Uh, We started Night Owls in 2010. Um, We started Night Owls when we closed a previous screen printing company uh, and sort of joined forces with somebody else to do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and, and really we transitioned into Night Owls when we wanted to become more serious about what we were doing and, and our craft and, and sort of um, really make this our job and, and our career. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, a little over 10 years now. Yeah, it'll be 11 in August. 11 in August, yep. Wow, congratulations. Thanks. And uh, we're located in Houston, uh, where it's, you know, 115 degrees the majority of the year. 
Uh, so, you know, perfect place to uh, live and work amongst equipment that does nothing but generate heat. <laughs> so it makes it, it's perfect, perfect conditions. You got humidity though, and you guys do, do. a lot of water-based printing, right? So that, that yeah. at least is one thing that, that pairs, I guess, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we do so much that we invested in like a humidification system too. So like, oh, wow. uh, it's very, very wet in, in our print <laughs> shop, uh, which, yeah, it's, it's a different, different environment for sure. Mm -hmm. So what is the humidity level? I mean, do you guys have like a in-shop like humidity gauge that reads like we're Cancun level or we're Houston <laughs> level? I mean, how does that? We have like, I think, 12 like hygrometers located around the shop mm -hmm. which is a super important tool for uh any any print shop in my opinion it's like a nine to twelve dollar purchase and mm -hmm. uh it reads humidity and temperature which is really really important um but yeah we're typically around we try and keep it between 60 and 70 percent humidity uh and you know it's sort of overkill for what we do uh, but it's cool to say we have one and it's cool when people walk into the shop for the first time and there's just like misters going off <laughs> everywhere it really like adds to the ambiance of of what we're doing very tropical yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it sounds like uh, me going to an outside patio in southern california um when it's dry and 110 degrees and they have to have the mist <laughs> so you don't pass out yeah exactly <laughs> awesome. it's it's nice to walk in front of it sometimes and just get like a refreshing like burst of kind of like cooler air. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it works for us and uh, it's cool to have. So it's a cool toy. That's all. <laughs> That's awesome. And quick note for our listeners that are new to this industry. Um, don't keep your dark room at uh, 70, 60, 70% humidity, that will cause a lot of problems. So I yeah. just wanted to put a clarifier, a little bullet point on that. Definitely one. a best practice, yep. <laughs> That's awesome. And when you guys got started, um, did you start manual? Like what, what was the journey um, for you, you know, looking back, you know, 11 years now to today, what was it kind of the typical, like we got a great idea, we're getting into this manual setup and sort of growing your business or did you guys jump right in kind of full force? Um, we gradually grew into a lot of things. By the time Night Owl started, we had already amassed a lot of equipment from like our previous company. Gotcha. Um, but you know, like Ryanette wasn't around when we were starting. And so uh, when we started, we started with the speedball kit, much like a lot of other folks. And I remember we graduated into uh, like a two color press that we bought from eBay. That was an all wooded press. Yep. Uh, wow. and tabletop tabletop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and then we had bought some other equipment from like a shop that literally had it under a tarp in like his backyard for years. And we were so stoked that we got this like, <laughs> you know, 24 inch Harco dryer and, uh, very not great exposure unit and some other things, <laughs> but, uh, we were stoked that we were like finally getting professional equipment and all that was like run to my parents two car garage for probably like Two or three years, two, three years, yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we just slowly, like every couple of years, like we bought more equipment or we moved to a new space. And uh, you know, for for us, much like other shops, like the goal was to get an auto press. Uh, we wanted to be able to take on larger jobs, and we thought like 
automating was going to allow us to do that and and make it so our lives were easier. But uh, again, there wasn't much information. There wasn't things like Ryanet or YouTube around to really help us. Um, there was the shirt board, which is board. which is still around, uh, that gave us a lot of really helpful information. But we still struggled for a really long time. I don't know, probably like. We probably didn't know what mesh counts were for like, I don't know, six or seven years. And so we're yep. trying to print these huge blocky, like white prints through 305 meshes and having no oh. clue what we're doing, you know, uh, and, and doing that same practice manually before we got an auto. Yep. So uh, we definitely have enough like horror stories uh, to fill anyone's day for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I started my first screen printing business in 07, and I remember, I mean, same kind of thing. There just wasn't information out. I mean, it was going to a trade show and trying to kind of sift through everyone's, you know, sales pitch and, yeah. you know, understand the differences and then get, I remember getting, you know, five calls a day from three different companies that I saw, like, you ready? You ready? You ready? And it's, uh <laughs> It was tough. It was tough to make, it's tough to make that transition, but you know, once you do, I mean, my business, uh, I'm sure as, as yours and you guys are obviously still growing substantially, you know, once that automated solutions start to go in, you know, there's this courage, I feel like just within yeah. ourselves that like, I can sell anything, I can print anything and, and you learn more and, you know, you hire people in that, that have trade skill that teach us, stuff as owners and I, I know that's what really helped me grow and it sounds like you guys experienced uh, the same kind of uh experience there so that's cool did, did you guys um, both start i'm sorry ross go ahead yeah please oh. did you guys both start at the same time i think eric i, I think i learned you started in 2004 is that right yeah so i, I moved to houston at the summer of 2003 uh and i'd met val brother shortly after that um and then we sort of we, we became friends and I knew that she had um, like graphic design interests mm. and background. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had asked her to help me with some projects that we, that we were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we were making like one inch pinback buttons. And so, yeah, that, that's, you know, we would start contacting people and she would help lay out all the graphics and sometimes help make the buttons. But that's sort of how we started. And then we got interested in, furthering that and screen printing seemed like the next logical step. So that's, that's when the speedball kits kicked in and, uh, not, yeah, that was around 2004, yeah. I think somewhere around there. And, you know, we took, I think we took a class at like a, like a punk rock DIY space here and, uh, and was cool. learning about emulsion and how to print with speedball yeah. water-based ink. And, uh, that's when we first heard the elusive word plastisol oh, yeah. and, and started learning <laughs> about that. Um, and, you know, a couple months later, we started messing around with it. And uh, I tried to wash plastisol, plastisol ink in my parents' kitchen sink. Uh, that was, that did not go over, yeah, yeah, did, did not go over <laughs> super well with them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we just slowly kept learning and learning and, and found it was a creative industry and there was a need and we had the right sort of kind of connections and, and maybe we were foolish enough to just like <laughs> keep burying our head in the sand and pushing through. But um, that, that was like the first 10 years in, oh, in the yeah. industry for us, I would say. Yeah. Wow. We honestly didn't even have uh, an employee until probably what, two years into Night Owl. Yeah. It's probably like 2011 or so. And, and oddly enough, 
uh, that employee left and he's now back working with us as of a couple <laughs> months ago. So yeah, yeah, kind of strange, but cool. Oh, cool. So after- and then this led to you guys getting married. So you met her <laughs> brother. Yeah. Right. And then that all then blossomed into to a, a great partnership, both business. Yeah, I mean, the and- conversation was was just like, well, we're already spending 20 hours a day together. So, like, I guess we can do this. Uh, and super romantic. Yeah, yeah, super, super romantic. <laughs> Night owls to lovebirds. I like it. Yeah. Very good. Did, did, did the proposal involve anything screen printing? I have to ask. Or owls. Uh, Either way, I'm no. excited. No, it okay. didn't. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> okay, so you didn't like print a ring on a shirt and just walk in one day. Oh, that's like, a good idea. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was on tour driving to... Seattle. Uh, was it Seattle? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in the backseat of the van and... It was snowing like crazy, and we almost died like four times. And I was like, you know, like we should probably just get married. She's like, yeah, like I guess it makes sense. And that's, that's, that's awesome. that story. That's so, awesome. So, so from oh, go ahead, sorry, man. Oh, you're yeah, fine. I, follow up question to that was from 2004 to how long since then? I'm sorry, from that moment, did it take to where you feel like you're at the level you're at now? When do you feel like you reached the this part of your career two years ago yeah honestly wow. 2019 is when it just really took a turn yeah we decided and, to and end of 2018 is mm-hmm. really like a benchmark like date for us where like uh virus inks had a class that mark Coudre and mnr put on at their facility in chicago um that was like meant as a kind of a, an educational slash sales pitch uh, for their product. And we were already really interested in printing with Waterbase. We've been doing, at this point, you know, or I say at that point, we've probably been doing discharge prints since 2007 or 2008 um, and really trying to understand it and hone it in. And so HSA was sort of the next logical step uh, and that virus class is really what gave us the tools to sort of launch our education and knowledge into how those ink systems work. Um, mm. So, yeah, really like end of 2018, I think, was a huge like watershed moment for us where not only did it give us the education, but it gave us the confidence to say, like, we, we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of kept learning from there. Um, so it, it hasn't really been that long. That's awesome. And we're still learning. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. It's, it's a never, a never ending. I mean, art, it's art, right? So there's always something new. There's always something different. And, you know, we know some folks um, uh, that have been in this industry, you know, since Will before we were born and uh, they're still learning new stuff and trying new things. And it, it is uh, pretty awesome. So what, what are you guys incorporating into the business? And we've talked a little bit about Waterbase and this kind of moment you guys had in 2018, but to really stay ahead of the curve and continue growing your skills and honing your craft and what you're doing. Because I know you guys really are, you're not just a screen printer. You are one of those, those companies that take the craft extremely seriously and aren't just putting out I mean, you're putting out a lot of garments, don't get me wrong, but you know, each one that goes out, I think is really important to you. It's a piece of art. You guys treat it as such, at least from my experience, you know, with your business, which is 
really cool. But what do you guys do to stay on top and stay ahead of that curve and, and continue to, to keep that, you know, craft kind of concept running? Um, it's, you know, it's difficult because things change so much. I mean, I think COVID in the past year really, really stressed out a lot. Um, we, I'd say probably more, more myself, I'm, I'm always interested in like what's going on, what's kind of the pulse of, of the industry, pulse of like the areas of the industry that, that we work with, uh, whether it be clients, vendors, new products, like I'm, I'm, I tend to be really on top of that, but I'm also afforded the luxury of having like uh, a very competent partner in Val, uh, as well as many of our team members to where like, I've sort of built my position here at the company to be able to do that while I know that they can sort of anchor everything else. And, And I'm sure Val can chime in more than anybody else, like how frustrating it is when I'm just like, Ooh, I just like read about this. Like, let's, let's try it. Let's figure it out. Like, yeah, I know we're like, I know the schedule is like completely stacked tomorrow, but like we should probably do it for the first job and, and figure out how it goes. Um, so having, you know, having the ability to like, to sort of uh, fail successfully, I think is like, has, has been good for us. Yeah. Um, but that's also, I think really ingrained in Val and I ever since we started where it's just like, I hate to say like fake it till you make it, but it's very much just like, you figure it out. We Yeah. We figure out no one, no one is going to be able to show us like the way. Um, and we've thankfully been very fortunate to align ourselves with several people in this industry who have opened their doors and shown us the way, but really everyone's shop is so different that no matter what anybody else is doing, we truly have to figure out how to make it work here. Mm-hmm. And then not only how to make it work, but like, how to make it work in a production capability, how to make it work in a way that we could sell it. Uh, because there's a million different things that we can do that frankly, most people don't want to pay for. Um, but you know, we know how to do it because like it was a stupid idea, but we forced ourselves to like learn how to do it. And you guys are pretty much solely, or you may be solely water-based. I'm not sure. Are you, but I know the majority of you guys are hundred percent water-based. Yeah. The, so that's kind only, of one of those um, things that the only plastisol we have in the shop are I think we have two or three five gallon containers, one of black, one of white, and one of like a mixing clear that we kept just for testing purposes. But we literally gave away three or four pallets of plastisol within the past six months because we hadn't touched them since twenty seventeen. Yeah. Wow. That's Damn. awesome. And that, that, I mean, that definitely sets you guys apart then. I mean, you're really focusing in on a craft. I mean, the craft yeah. of water base, the concept behind it, you know, greener, a greener version of printing, better for you guys, better for the planet, better for the consumer. You know, the print lasts forever. It's, you know, other than, you know, fading, it has no hand. I mean, that's, that's really awesome and, and daunting, I'm sure. Like when you go full blown, make that switch. Cause it's, it's, it's challenging, you know, so there's there's a, there's a million print shops in the world. And I would say, you know, a a ton of them put out amazing work, but when you find print shops that are doing amazing work, plus doing it with water-based, it's like, takes it to like a whole new level because like you, when you work with it, you understand the difficulties, not necessarily limitations because really like they're, they're kind of, there aren't any, (laughs) Uh, but like being able to see someone put something together with, materials that are difficult to use, you have that much more appreciation and respect for what they're doing. 
Um, and, and I feel like we have that much more appreciation and respect for like what we're doing because like we're trying to go a step above and we're trying to say like, we can, you can master this. You just have to like, you have to want to do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it takes away all of the crutches and all of the band-aids. And really, I feel like that's like what made us not necessarily successful, but it's made us better at what we're doing because we had to step up to that challenge of being better to successfully run our print shop the way we wanted to do it. Yeah. Very awesome. Well, cool. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we will dive into some more topics. We will be right back. Being able to automate your screen cleaning minimizes water and chemicals needed, saves you countless hours of labor costs, and drastically increases your screen recovery process without any mess. Thanks to the precision engineering of the award-winning Lotus Holland Screen Reclaim System, this otherwise arduous task is now entirely automated. Please visit rock.us or call 187-ROCKET-NOW. That's 877-674-8669. I want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. Today we are discussing best screen printing shop operation practices with Valerie and Eric Solomon of Night Owls Print Shop. I am Rock U.S. President Ross Hunter, and alongside of me here is our Creative Director, Mr. Merrill Caps. Hello, hello. And here we go. Welcome back, everyone. Yes, indeed. Thank you both for joining us today again. I'd like to kick this segment off by, first of all, um, saying you're both award-winning screen printers. Uh, congratulations to both of you for that. That's awesome. Eric, for uh, most recently, Rising Star 2020. 2020 yep. reasons. Yep. yep. And you. then, uh, my pleasure. And then Val for the first ever women in screen printing awards, which was yep. awesome. Very uh, exciting. Back in August. Was that August? Yeah. Yeah. I wow. So tell us, uh, it's, each of you, I'd love to hear what that experience was for you, what um, the entry process, the contestants, all that stuff. What did you learn? And what does it mean to you to have won those awards? <laughs> um, I mean, it was very exciting. Um, I think I was nominated, uh, but I, I don't remember who nominated yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know like a couple folks from like Night Owls nominated you, mm -hmm. so that was like kind of cool. And as well yeah. as like I think a couple of like industry, uh, we, we had heard later on through like some peers that, that are sort of on, on the board. Um, definitely there was a couple people from that who nominated you, which I think is like yeah, it's very uh, very humbling and very very cool. Um, yeah, for I, sure. <laughs> I think that, that people think so highly uh, of of Val. I mean, I'm not sure why they do, but uh, it's very nice of them. Uh, and yeah, and then for me, I mean, it, it was cool. I, I don't I don't know how I got nominated, but um, I think it's the third year that they did it. So uh, it's pretty pretty exciting to be amongst like colleagues and peers, like uh, like my. Our, our buddy Danny, uh, Danny Gruninger, and uh, and Kevin and Shane from Stoke Don are also uh, kind of in in that same category. So uh, yeah, it, it was cool. Point out all rock shops, all rock shops, all rock so shops. Just, just gotta throw that out there because <laughs> we we should get I think uh, on, on Val's award too. There was um, was it PSI in Australia? Mm -hmm. They're rock mm -hmm. shops as well. Yeah. So rock cleaning up left and right. Yeah. So Val, uh, what? would you advise for other women who are either getting into this industry um, or uh, who have been in a part of it already, who want more resources and, and that kind of thing, what would be your advice slash um, 
anything from screen printing to support groups or uh, art, like the Women Rock Facebook group and different things like that? Um, I, I would say definitely try to do research on, like if you're trying to get into screen printing and you're um, already in it, like just seek out those people that, that you look up to. Um, I mean, for me, it was like reaching out to Michelle Moxley and like just picking her brain and, you know, Women Rock, of course, you know, that Facebook group is very, very helpful. Um, it's nice to have a community um, that you could go to. And I feel like now that you have social media and everything, it's like super important to be a part of that. Agreed. Cool. Um, it's it's interesting you say that, like, you know, when Eric was kind of mentioning earlier when you guys got started um, and you go back to then to today in terms of like walls being up, right? It was, it was a pretty close off industry. I mean, 07, 08, 09, it wasn't until, you know, probably what, 2012-ish. I mean, it seemed like at some point, like there kind of became this like group, this like inner circle and then the inner circle kind of grew. And yeah. um, I've noticed that a lot with, with our partners, like you guys, Danny, you know, lots of other, you know, rock businesses and granted I'm biased because we've got all these groups going on and I don't see a ton of other stuff, but it does seem like everyone's a lot more open to like information sharing and teaching each other and, you know, really collaborating for, for a better screen printing world compared to just like my business or or your business, which is, is, you know, really neat to see. I think what people don't realize is a multi-billion dollar industry in the U S. Yeah. So as long as you can get a piece of that and run your company and make money and grow and be happy, like helping each other out, I think goes a long ways to everyone growing. Um, yeah. cause there's a lot of money there. Yeah. I think, like you said, a lot of people don't realize how big this industry is and, how many different like levels there are in this industry because i mean like we're by no means like a big shop we're probably a small small to mid-sized yeah. shop but i mean like we're big compared to someone that's printing with a one you know that's printing with a screen in their bedroom uh but you know what i mean like we don't have 30 autos and we're not cranking out you know a million pieces a month so the the breadth of this industry is just so big and so vast that it's really easy to sort of carve out your your niche as long as like you kind of do you know internal research to figure out what you want that to be and to your point about all the rock shops or you know just the industry in general I, I completely agree I mean I I'm so happy to share information with people because it was so guarded and so hard to find for so long um, that I'm, I'm, you know, either of us are more than happy to share any information that we've learned because like truly like it's, it's not going to hurt us in, in one way or another. And it's just good karma. It comes back to you one way or another. Yeah. 100%. 100%. You guys have done a lot of teaching at, uh, I know last year when we actually had trade shows, I remember listening to a talk uh, you guys gave, I think, an ink kitchen. I don't remember if that was in Texas or, or which show that was, but it was cool uh, to see you guys out there. I think it's Long Beach. We've yeah. done some stuff in, at the Fort Worth show too, but yeah, like Ink Kitchen's been uh, super great to us. And and again, like people to like look up to. I mean, um, you know, Tom Davenport, Rick Roth, even even Brett. Even though I don't want to give him as much credit as, as he deserves, but uh, well, yeah, like I mean, 
everyone from Ink Kitchen, um, Rick's wife Pam, to you, like they've all just been so incredible and very much aligned with our mentality of just like this is a it, it's a fun business that we do. So like let's be communal and kind of mm-hmm. talk about things and, and kind of work through the problems and um, especially like when you talk to 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 Rick or to Tom. I mean those guys have seen some crazy crazy things in this industry and and. Um, very much like awesome resources to be able to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And I think what they're doing with Ink Kitchen is exactly a, along the lines of what we're talking about. Is they're just really trying to build a, an educational community and like help remove the gatekeepers, if you will. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Ross, would you like to All say right. something? <laughs> sure. <laughs> That was just, that was an awkward silence. Um, so, I mean, kind of piggybacking, I guess, then off of that, like education, what are your like top five recommended best practices for screen printing business? So we haven't really talked about like this operational, you know, operational practices yet, which is what the show's, you know, about. And this is fun catching up and going through all this stuff. But, you know, in terms of you guys' journey, you know, what, what are those five best practices that really keep your business organized, work flowing through um, from like an operational standpoint? What's most important? I think that there's different facets of the business that, that sort of need to be understood. And, and I think that we, although it's probably not like untraditional, like we've taken like a little bit of a strange route where we've kind of really honed in on the craft and now we're taking a step back where like, we got that down. We sort of, we, we know, we know how to screen print. Like, you know, we're like Val said earlier, we're still learning. There's always new things to sort of figure out, but for the most part, like the printing we got down. So now we need to learn how to run our business. And that's been something over the past year, like maybe 15, 16 months or so that we've really been refocusing and rehoning in on. Um, and, and I think it's very, important to understand that there is like the craft side and then there is like the business Mm -hmm. side Um, and so we're really like really heavy into like restructuring our business right now from the back end or like internal side and that's everything from you know uh, accounting to the specific positions that people hold here in the company Um, I think another thing that was really transformative for us along the same lines of us kind of really getting into water base. And I'm sure you've probably heard other people talk about it a bunch, but uh, profit first accounting was a really, really useful tool for us as a business to recognize our value and recognize our worth. Uh, And then because we're doing something that's a little bit more specialized than what a lot of other folks are doing, we also took a step back and said, you know, like we can, we can charge more, like we can be an expensive shop because we're putting out, expensive products we're putting out really high grade products and really understanding that portion has taken us like a long time Um, but i think it's like really important it's a very um instrumental fact that that we've sort of come to realize is like we sort of need to build our business off of that as well yeah so it's interesting you know that you guys say that at at always reminds me of my favorite business book that I've ever read. Uh, it's called The E-Myth Revisited. Um, for any of you that haven't read that, um, it's a very short read. It's an incredible book. Um, it's one Available of the simplest books of... 
Oh yeah, well, I think we actually have it up on our on our website actually as, as a recommended book. But um, you know, basically it tells this story of, you know, someone starting a business and it's this whole struggle that we all go through, which is, you know, you start running a business and you are everyone. You're the entrepreneur, you're the technician, and you're your manager. You're the whole thing. And then you guys, this case, it was both of you, you know, if you have a business partner or whatever, but you're doing it all. And then you grow and then you hire people. And then you have to start like learning how to like pass off these hats and really build the operational foundation of the business. And, you know, as artists, which a lot of people that get into screen printing, I mean, I would probably suggest higher than 50%, you know, people that get into it come from a graphic design background or some kind of art standpoint. Um, some people it's a side hustle and it turns into something more. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different stories out there, but typically speaking, it's not hardcore business people that are getting into screen printing as, you know, a business trade. And so it is, it is tough, you know, and it, it's cool. You guys, you know, spent the last 15 months, you know, going down this journey. And I think for the listeners out there that are, are, are listening to podcasts, like what, I guess it's a two, couple questions here, but what made you guys look at it and say, okay, it's time to do something operational to this company and get everything in line. And then secondly, what processes or organizational processes are you guys using to identify, here's our number one, number two, number three problems, and then addressing those kind of in some sort of like workflow? I think all of that, all of the stuff that you just mentioned is stuff that we're just implementing and yeah. we're like just maybe a year into. Not even. I mean, we we didn't even have like an organizational chart for our business until probably like four months ago. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's a huge step, though. I mean, that's a good yeah, thing. Totally. So, and, and like, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, you know, we're 10, 10 years in at this point. But like, really, like when we take a step back, we're like, well, really, this is kind of like year one. Like we're really, really, really starting from the ground up. And and ultimately what it came down to is like we had sort of maxed out like what we could do. And it's like what the company could do, what Personally. Val and I could personally <laughs> handle. Um, even some of our employees, I mean, like um, there's some key people here that, you know, if, if Val and I are working uh seven days a week, like they're working six days a week. Like yeah, they're, they're at they're, capacity. They're, they're at capacity as well. And it's just like we want to give our employees like uh, kind of better reasons to be excited to come to work. And we also want to be able to service our customers better. And when you're at, when you're bringing the candle at both ends, like you're not able to do anything. All you're doing is putting out fires. And like a common thing we say in our shop is like, um, we're constantly being reactive instead of proactive. And when everything is completely stretched out or maxed out, uh, you can't be proactive on anything. You're just putting out fires left and right. Yeah, we had to completely reassess how we were doing everything. Yeah, it sounds to me like everyone's like their head's basically barely above water. And so that was kind of like the, the trigger that made you say, let's take a look at the business from the outside looking in more from that like operational perspective. Is that kind of correct yeah so i mean val and i like we we love what we do we love our business we we you know really enjoy the uh 
people that we get to work with here at Night Owls as well as like with our customers. But there's definitely a certain point that we hit where it was just like, no one is really responsible for anything. And every problem, Val and I are going to step in to fix it, whether it's something that could have been avoided or not. And so mm-hmm. by taking that step back, it allows us to give people that work here at Night Owls the ability to be accountable and really elevate their position here and make them feel, um, maybe not feel, but but make them uh, more part of what we're doing and more a part of uh, the company structure and the growth of the company and really try and let people be proud of that. Like, we're always saying to our staff, like, we do things that the majority of the screen printing world can't fathom or doesn't want to do. Uh, and that is something to be like really excited and really proud about. And so having them buy into, you know, what we're doing and being on board, that was like another reason why it was like, we really need to kind of suss out where everyone is going to land with this organizational chart. It empowers people. It makes people own their jobs a little bit more. And it makes people a little bit more proud of what they're working on and where they're working. So then going back to like those five recommended best practices, did you guys start with this org chart? I mean, was that kind of where this kind of kicked off was like, if I'm just going to, I mean, you guys did this for, you know, 10 years ish before we, you know, you started this process, you started it. So what, what are those first few things that you can tell our listeners that haven't started this yet? They're, they're still, you know, printing and grinding and making it work. And now they really need to step back and look at the business. What are those first five things that you'd have someone look at? Um, the first thing we did is we we figured out like very clearly, these are the departments that we work in. You know, some folks are just going to have like just screen printing. Uh, other folks will have screen printing and embroidery. So you start very, very fake, right? Like here at Night Owls, we have uh, we have internal production, external production, like things that we outsource, like promo products and things like that. And then we also have like a fulfillment uh, or e-commerce division here. So we had three very clear, but very like kind of vague departments, if you will. Uh, and then we just focus each department and put, these are the employees that work in this department. Even if like, let's say we had someone that worked in screen printing, but also in fulfillment, like, great, they're all going in the screen printing department. And after you just start sectioning everything out, you just start dialing down like a little bit further. So we had our three departments. We started with screen printing. We went through and we said, okay, here are all the positions that we need in our screen printing or our internal production to be able to successfully run this department. And it's things like, you know, you need someone that is your screen technician. You need someone that is a press lead. You need someone that's a press assistant. You need a press catcher. And you just start creating all of these positions that in your ideal head or your your ideal world, these are all positions that you either have, or they're all positions that you have people for already, or they're people that you're going to hire in the future. And so it's totally okay if you don't have people for those specific positions, but it just helps lay out like, this is everything we need. And now once I have these positions, who is available that can be slotted into this? And then again, you just start like dialing it down further and further and further. Um, And I was like really resistant for a really long time just because I was like, so many people kind of flip back and forth between 
multiple things like a lot of cross training. Yeah, they're they're gonna be bummed if like we're dialing or like drilling them into like one title, if you will. But um, but no, it's been the exact opposite. People are really excited to know exactly what their job title is and what they're doing here at Night Owl. Some clarity, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you guys kind of document then like a plan to kind of go through? So I know that for me, even personally, you know, back back, I've I've learned since, which you know, being in different businesses has taught me a lot, but um, I never documented anything. <laughs> it was like, you know, I'd go in, I'd talk to people. I'm like, you're going to do this and it's going to be exciting. And, you know, you do the rah, rah and everyone. And, you know, and it, it's funny because those people probably go home, like so confused, but in our head, it's like, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, did you guys put a plan together? Did you documented it? How are you tracking your progress? To, to some extent, we documented it. Yeah. Um, it. It's not really a strong suit of mine. And even though it is with Val, she doesn't really have time for it. Um, so like we, like I mentioned earlier, we have a, a lot of really um, kind people like in, in our personal life and in our business life that, uh, you know, are, are helping us with it. And that's sort of like what they're being brought in to, to help with is sort of suss that's out. That's cool. So you guys have brought in some like consultative yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, like, run through this. We, we've mentioned, you know, Danny a bunch. Like, Danny is definitely one of those people where, like, he's really helped us, like, put together specific information on, like, how to run the shop more efficiently. And to do that, we needed to suss out our departments, suss out our press leads, and, you know, make sure that we are explaining to our employees, like, this is your title, this is what's expected of you. Now, like, how do you elevate yourself uh, within that that world? So, mm -hmm. um, it's it's knowing like if I can pat myself on on the shoulder for anything or on the back for anything, it's knowing like to not be afraid to reach out to people for help, especially when there's like things that are outside of what I feel comfortable doing or like things that I just don't know how to do. And and I feel like this is one of those areas where it's like we need to restructure the business and we need to rebuild from the ground floor up, but like. I, I don't, I'm sort of lost in that process. Who are people that I know or that I recognize are like very strong in, in that world? Yeah. That's huge, really man. Was. And I, I would like to point out, you know, to our viewers, um, other business owners, I mean, whoever you are, I, I, I love that you guys have done that. I know for me, um, I always like to kind of bring some stories into this, but um, I made a big business transition at one point out of, you know, my old uh, company into where I'm at now. And um, man, I didn't know what to do. And I hired a business coach. I worked through it for about a year and a half and it was tough. It was a tough decision for me because I felt like it was therapy or it was something, but I, you know, that man, his name's Dan, um, will be in my life and I will be forever in debt to him. I mean, on, you know, the changes he was able to help me make and, Today, I'm involved in a group of CEOs. They're all in different businesses. Um, yeah. It's called Vistage. There's Vistage all over the, the you know, uh, nation, for those of you listening. It's a great group. It's small. You get in with 15 or 16 other business owners, and it's a place where you can go outside of your own walls. If you do suffer from, you know, uh, operational know-how or, or, or this and that, there'll be someone in that group where you can come and you can issue processes. So you say, hey... I want to grow. Here's here's where I'm, you know, held up right now. Even though they may not be screen printers, 
they're people with experience in manufacturing or other places. So huge tip to those of you out there, reach out to someone because I mean, it's going to help you get there quicker. Mm-hmm. And out of like recommended best practices, I think that that would be at the top of my list. If you don't know, yeah. ask for shit. help and it's there's huge. no shame and it is, you know, you learn so much. So thank you for, for making that this, point. This stage is, is great. And if, if there are folks listening that are interested in more like industry specific ways, like um, we're also, uh, we work pretty closely with Mark Coudre and his Catalyst group. Um, that That has also been super like transformative for us. That's where we learned about um, profit first and a lot of other kind of like background operational stuff that maybe our customers don't see. But, um, you know, there's a couple people inside that group that years and years and years of, of screen printing industry experience from technical aspects to sales uh, to HR. Um, and so it, it's just like a nice, it's, it's a very similar to Vistage, but sometimes it's nice to be able to commiserate or ask questions within a group of people that know what you're doing, you know? For sure. So I, uh, just listening to this story, you guys spoke with Danny and Ross, you spoke with Dan. Perhaps that's the key here. We just have to bring in more Dan's into find your Dan. <laughs> find your, hashtag find your Dan. <laughs> I love it. Very cool. Well, let's take another quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we will continue our discussion with Eric and Val. We'll be right back. Fast track your setups to fast track your profits with the Rock Reg, the fastest and most accurate registration system in the screen printing industry. For your free step-by-step video and your free registration template download, please visit rock.us or 187-ROCKET-NOW. That's 877-674-8669. I want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. Today we are discussing best screen printing shop operation practices with Val and Eric Solomon of Night Owl print shop. I'm Ross Hunter and I'm here with our creative director, Mr. Merrill Caps. Welcome back. Greetings. Salutations. Greetings. Merrill, has anyone know. ever told you you have an NPR voice on these podcasts? Do I? No, I, I've never. It's very, very smooth, mm. very yeah. relaxing. Yeah. Like, a, like, um, like SNL, like Tom Schwetty style, like that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Sorry, Ross. I didn't mean to I, cut you uh, off. No, this oh, is, no it's you know, good. They got to know. Wow. No, I, <laughs> I've, he I've never been told that. He is a I, member of SAG, and he is an actor. And only, so only on TV. I, I know you're not acting, though. This is just you. This is how you or, say it. Or do you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to do a whole a whole episode called, like, Meryl Stories. You guys actually oh, God. love He's got some insane <laughs> stories of things he's filmed and stuff he's been through and places he's worked. And it's you got a really interesting story, Merrill. Well, thank you, Ross. Uh, I'm, I'm so we'll grateful, privileged, uh, and cursed to carry carry this moniker. And I am humbly great, grateful for my, my mom and dad, who differ on why I'm named Merrill anyway. And that's a separate <laughs> story, which will be on that episode. Okay, I like that. We need to get the sound effect machine for the podcast, though, when we do that episode, so I can make funny noises as you say mm. stuff. No, I like I like it better if they're analog, just from you. Like if you like do like <laughs> like that or something, or see yeah, something like that. Okay. That's much more better. Yes, I like happen. that. 
Sweet. So diving back into screen printing, because uh, that's why we're here, right? So a uh, question for you all, how much do you incorporate data into your decision making? Uh, I know this is an ongoing kind of, uh, what's the word? I guess there's, you know, two sides of the coin. Uh, in some ways, there's a lot of benefits to making decisions that are based on data analytics. And there's also a lot of other great decision makers who base the, their decisions on intuition. Um, I tend to be somewhere in the middle. Um, where where do you fall in line on that? Hmm. Um, I think probably, probably in the, in the middle, middle as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we haven't been great at capturing data and that's also a big part of like what's driven us to sort of take a step back and say, how do we reassess this? And how do we put people in place so that like Val and I are not responsible for collecting, collecting that data. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we're probably three or four months in of doing that too. And it's been going great. Yeah. We're actually using the data. <laughs> and then starting to compile information based off of like yeah. the, the minimal data that we've collected, but um, you know, something so far is better than absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. What, what are the what key you, metrics? That, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask what the key key metrics are that you guys are looking at right now. Um, oftentimes, it's just like it's we're we're capturing information from internal production, so things that we're producing here, mm-hmm. and uh, often it's like number of printed jobs, um, number of screens produced. We do a lot of like finishing services, so like internet tags, folding, bagging, skews, things like that. Uh, we try and capture that information. Um, number of machines used, number of staff that was present during the shift. Um, so just very baseline data that we can start compounding and expanding upon uh, as we grow that data set. Nice. Very cool. And from from when you started screen printing, that was like the initial push of the shop, correct? Uh, that's No, that's... That's been a lot of like, you mean screen printing? That was the initial push or like- Correct, like that was like, I'm sorry, screen printing in general, that was like the main um, spotlight of your shop to begin with. And then you built other segments like uh, your fulfillment department and that kind of thing. Um, So how far into screen printing were you established before you started building those other uh, departments? Um, I I feel like, go ahead. And and was there any, logic behind the order in which you grew those departments? They all sort of grew organically. Would you yeah. agree? Like Absolutely. someone would ask us for something that we wouldn't, that we couldn't make here. You know, if somebody asks you like, Hey, I want to get, uh, I don't know, bottle openers or yeah. like keychains made. Well, mm-hmm. we don't have a fabrication shop here. So we're not, we, we are not making that here. Um, and so we would just start figuring out ways to do it. Uh, that I think that was like kind of the first thing that we sort of stepped into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fulfillment also sort of just kind of came naturally. We work with a ton of musicians, a ton of artists. And when bands were on tour, we often worked with smaller size bands. So they would be out playing shows eight months of the year and they would either come back from tour and have inventory left over that they would want to sell, or there would be folks that couldn't see them uh, because maybe they weren't playing in their cities or their towns and wanted to buy stuff. And so they needed a way to sell it. Um, 
We started doing that stuff pretty early on, like yeah. probably 2005, maybe. I would say it was like, yeah, it was 2005. Yeah, and I mean, um, I mean, we started pretty big with some of the uh, clients that we were working with at the time. That we don't work with them anymore, but um, but yeah, we had some like very popular bands at that mm-hmm. point in time. Some of our bigger clients were also sort of um, they were like we'll call them like e-commerce uh, houses, but really it was just like. Uh, we had one client here in Houston that ran the web store for like six or seven bands. And some of those bands were really, really popular. So we were starting to see firsthand, like just how much that played into production and how it really affected our business in a positive way. That's awesome. And, and what needed to happen in order, or was it just a natural progression from you being in music uh, and bands just to be into that world to begin with? So they know to go to you for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even now to this day, we don't really do that much advertising. Like podcasts like this are probably really like the most amount of advertising we do outside of just like making okay. posts on Instagram. Yeah. Um, we don't really advertise much. We, you know, we just, we put our faith sort of in that we're doing really amazing work and we're very fortunate that we get to work with really, really cool customers, um, whether they're you know, Fortune 500 companies or uh, independent graphic artists or bands, and word just sort of travels around, and, and we've just been... Yeah, they get excited about what we do for them, and they, they post about it, and that's how it kind of goes out. It's really... Just very, very organic and very natural. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that's wonderful. you know, I, I reach out to people and, and, and talk with them and see if there's solutions that we can, we can help with that they're maybe looking for that their current vendor is lacking. Um, but oftentimes like our bigger clients, they just kind of find us. It's very um, fortuitous, if, if you will. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, it's a good, good segue because I have a, a couple marketing specific questions for you. Uh, so I love your use of animated GIFs on your website. It's really <laughs> cute. Um, so what inspired that idea? And did you notice the shift? Uh, did anything change with the audience as far as like their response or anything when you adopted those things? Mm. Well, we went from a website that um, we, we hired like a, a super talented friend of ours that is a graphic designer or at, um, like a, a site designer and site builder. Mm. Uh, he flew down to Houston from New York for like a week and built this like, looking back on it, like a truly incredible like custom, <laughs> like custom production website. Um, but the way that technology worked, the way that we worked, like it was just too much for mm-hmm. the two of us or even having one or two other people on staff like do. Like we didn't have any like anything integrated. So things were constantly out of date, like in terms of pricing or availability of products. Mm-hmm. And so we had that site for probably like five years. And then we said, you know what, this site is really problematic because people are getting really upset when they try and place an order and, you know, the shirts are actually $7 and not 25 cents because of a glitch. Uh, They get really upset with us. So we said, you know what, we're essentially like blacking out our windows. Mm -hmm. We're putting an email address that says like, contact us for more information. The bare minimum. The bare minimum. And uh, it worked great. Like it it was awesome. we're, we're redoing our site now to update it a little bit with like just a little bit more information about some of the services that we offer and, and also a way to kind of help like 
answer some of the most frequently asked questions. But in general, like our approach has de definitely been like, you can find information about us. Like we're not here to sell you anything. If you're going to work with us, you're coming to us because you've heard good things about us. And, and that is enough. Yeah. So it kind of allows you guys to give like a complete personal touch then. I mean, people are really just having to reach out to you, talk about their project, what they want done. And you're, you're working with them one-on-one. -on -one. So you guys have taken most of the automation out of that and, and turned it more into the personal touch craft kind of, you know, yeah, interaction. It's a double-edged sword though, for sure. Because it's like, there's enough information to get in touch with us, but there's not really enough information for the majority of people to kind of understand what we do. Mm -hmm. And like we right. talked about earlier, this industry is so giant. There's so many facets of it. And People think that like, you know, we print t-shirts. So like we, we want to print a shirt with like someone's grandson on it. They, you know, they want one shirt. Mm -hmm. We're instantly like, oh, you guys can do that. And so that's been a little hurtful because instead of having these like walk-in customers or, or cold calling customers, which like we don't really have too much. Now it's just a lot of emails of kind of people price shopping or, you know, doing or asking things that are not really like something we want to do, or even sometimes in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, so that's also some of the idea behind redoing the website is we want to kind of filter out some of those people and not waste their time. Like if we're not, you know, if they want four shirts, we're probably not going to be a good fit because our pricing is going to be too expensive. If they, if they want to pay it, sure, we'll, we'll figure out how to do it. Right. But ultimately, like, people looking for two or three shirts are not going to want to pay $150 per T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I for loved sure. having those conversations, Eric. Those are my favorite. When people would call in, they're like, I need two shirts. And I'm like, sweet, we can totally do that. It's going to be $280 a shirt. And they're just like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's screen printing. Like, I didn't have DTG at the time. I'm like, this is yeah. art. You want custom art put on a shirt. You're paying for a canvas. I mean, it, it you know, and yeah. I, 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 you know, it's it's tough because you get the phone calls too, you know. Hey, you guys screen print? Yeah, we do. Cool, I need 50 sweatshirts. Great, what do you want on them? One color print. Great, okay, here's a price. Great, and then they end the call with, so when can I pick those up tomorrow? And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. wait, let's backtrack 30 minutes ago to where this conversation started. Um, it, it makes it tough, but- um, And, and for me personally, are... like, I have a really hard time talking. I don't want to, I don't think, I don't mean talking to people, but like our industry has become, the screen printed t-shirt has become a commoditized item, right? Like, right. like we said a couple of times so far, a million different print shops uh, all over the place that can, service all sorts of different customers. Um, we are not the cheapest. We're not the fastest, but you know, I can pretty much say our quality is gonna be unbeat by most print shops. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we can stand behind that, but because of the way that our industry is sort of treated, there is a lot of people that are price shopping. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier about sort of knowing your value and like knowing when to stand your ground. And in, even now, you know, 10 years into Night Owls, 15 years into this, this business, like I still, that's something I struggle with. Like I want to be able to get that yes from every customer coming in for, for a quote. Um, and it still kind of bums me out when like we lose jobs, even when I fully know like 
this is not the right job for us. Yeah. Um, but it, that's that's still something I'm learning to deal with. <laughs> that's a that's a really that's insightful thing to know when you're not a good fit. I feel like that is a best practice for sure. Because I, yeah, sure. Uh, gosh, there's so many times where you find out inevitably and invariably that it isn't anyway. And so to be upfront about that, I think saves everybody time, money, headaches, et cetera. And everybody's happier if they know exactly upfront what to expect. So I think that's great. Oh, I was going to say, it's a good point to make to people that are just getting, you know, their feet off the ground too. Those of you that have been in business for two or three years and think that you need to take every job that comes in because it's going to, you know, put food on the table or whatever the case may be. You have to remember that if you take that, that job and you undercut your price or you take that customer that, Mm -hmm. you know, right away in your gut of guts is going to be a bad experience. It's going to cost you money. You're not going to make anything. And so it's okay. It's okay to be higher priced. It's okay to say, this isn't for me. Um, I learned that the hard way. It took a long time for me because I couldn't swallow it. I'm like, ah, no, wait, no, I'll knock an extra dollar off, you know? And then it's funny because once you start to put data to it, Mm -hmm. you go back and you're like, wow, I made negative dollars on dealing with this crazy client that I couldn't get the Pantone color right, that we spent a day and a half trying to register multiple screen setups and I didn't charge them enough money. And then it's like, well, what did I just do? So for those of you listening, it's okay to take advice from, from Eric and Val. Like you can be high price. You can, you know, depending on what you're doing, just own what you do and, and be true to that. And I think that that's, what's really important is, is staying true to your company vision, where you're taking it. And if you're doing, you know, commoditized screen printing, own it. There's nothing it, wrong with it. Exactly. You know, I, I mean, mean, it just, you gotta, but just be true to it. And I, right. I think that that's, that's kind of uh, an important message here. And, and it's like, uh, so here's a, here's a story that, that actually happened today uh, for us. So we, we print for a client that Val and I are like huge fans of. Um, and I would honestly say that everyone here in the shop, when one of their jobs comes through, they're like, everyone is super stoked. Like everyone steps up their game because they know that like this art rules, this artist rules, um, you know, they're, the people that get these shirts are going to be super stoked to get these shirts because of like the quality that we're printing uh, and because of this person's artwork. Mm-hmm. We quoted out a job a couple of weeks ago for this person and it's someone we've been working with for like, I don't know, four or five years yeah. at this point. And I would say 98% of the projects that, that they've ever had printed have been printed here. Uh, actually, in we can even say 100% aside from this particular project we're about to talk about one and one other one that was like outside of our capacity. Both times... He went somewhere else, um, the first being for something we couldn't fulfill. It was just something that we were not able to do uh, due to the, not the technicality, but just the size. It was an all-over print, right? So something we just don't do. Right. Second print, uh, it was for us a very standard print. It was a two, two-color discharge print with a puff. And for those of you that don't print that stuff, you know, it does require a certain confidence, a certain understanding of ink technologies and print technologies to make it work. And so there is a price tag that comes along with it, especially with what we do with it. And so we quoted it out, didn't think anything of it. I didn't hear from this person for a week. Uh, I checked in with them just like, what's going on? Like, you know, did you have any questions with this? 
And his response was, yeah, like your pricing was crazy high. I didn't want to like bother you about it. So I just went somebody somewhere else. And I was like, well, first of all, like you should know we're always in your corner and we want you to succeed. And it's like a great source of pride for us to know that like, you're really happy with our work. Your clients are super happy with our work. And so it was a little bit of a bummer. You didn't talk to us, especially because it was just about price. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, you know, two weeks to today. And he messages me and he's like, man, like, I don't know if I can sell these shirts. I think I'm going to have to like reprint them with you because these are trash. Like they didn't hit the colors I wanted. The puff isn't good. Uh, You know, there was a couple other things too. And it was just like, well, like, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, like I, I tried to help you. And even now with these shirts that, that don't look great, like I'm trying to spin it in a way to be like, no, like they're fine. Like your customers will be okay with it. But like he came back to us because he recognized that what we were doing was far superior than somebody else that thought they could handle the project. And even in conversation with him today too, you know, he sent over very specific specs that, are from the specs that we sent over. And the shop was like, yeah, yeah, we can do that, no problem. Well, it turns out they got everything on press and they were like, ooh, actually like, we can't do that. So we're gonna go this different route. Like, you'll get the same effect, it'll be fine. And uh, yeah. nothing. So, you know, it, it's, it sucked and it, it stung a lot because it's a customer we really like, but ultimately like, he is Either going now. to come back and be loyal with us, you know? Yeah. Yep. Valuable yeah, it kind of proves your own. It proves your own point. I mean, yeah, the the customer learned a valuable lesson, and you know, it's funny. I've I've, I've had people, you know, in my past life, kind of same thing, where you know they said I was overpriced and go somewhere else, and they told me before they went. And I mean, my my line, and it may sound cocky to people out there, but my line always was, you know, go ahead, do your thing. I totally understand, but I'm here for you. And if something should happen and it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, like, you know, I'm not going to hold any bad feelings about you leaving on price. And I can't tell you how many times that same thing happened. I'd get a call and they're like, man, I should have listened to you. Like that dollar Mm -hmm. really in the grand scheme of things didn't make a difference because now I've got all this junk that, you know, I've got to toss and spend money a second time. So understanding your value is just super key. That's that's, a great story. How do you feel that that relates to, um, and we we were sort of talking about this over the break, but like, how does that relate to the world of like rock as well? Because like, you know, we're, we're a full rock shop and rock is definitely, you know, it's up there in price, but it's worth its value in our opinion. But, you know, I'm sure I'm confident that you guys have tons of people that contact you that are sort of just like, they're like tire kickers and they're, they're not really ready. And and I, I say that because I know like, I, I was one of those people, you know, like when we were trying to buy yeah. an auto, I was constantly like reaching out to people trying to get like free equipment and trying to get deals. But it was just like, I can't even afford this in the first place. So like, why am I even <laughs> wasting anybody's time? But I, I would love to hear from like the rock side of things from like an equipment side of, of the, the situation, because I'm sure that there's also some insight and some value in terms of like that process with you all, but also kind of having to navigate the field of different equipment vendors in the same world, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's interesting because we are the most expensive. I mean, hands down, you know, I I would 
suggest and firmly believe in that we are also the most advanced in terms of what our technology can do. So the price can coincide with that. But, you know, from a tire kicker perspective, that's tough. It's tough to bring someone in that's super price focused and then get them to a place where they understand the value of the equipment, A, and then how they value what they're trying to do with that equipment. And so our approach, I, I, I never call it sales. I, I don't think that we sell things, quite honestly. I, I think that we partner with businesses and that's why we call our customers partners because our goal is to show people that return on investment, how the value in the product is actually going to save them money through other things. It's not how many shirts a press can print. We all know yeah, our presses are rated at 1400 pieces an hour. You know, MNR is the same. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? You can only do what you're physically able to do. So it's right. it's more getting people to understand, you know, how the registration systems work, how you're saving time through setups, how, you know, you're joining a family, right? And maybe not everyone fits in that family, but we're big on the culture. You know, we've developed a culture in the, within Rock, And so our goal is, you know, once you have that internal culture built, it, it, it exudes itself to, you know, the outside world. And I think, you know, pulling people into that's important. I think that the relationship and that partnership is truly important. Like, you know, you guys, I value our, our partnership. I mean, it, it's almost a friendship. Like I can call you on your cell. You can call me on mine. You know, we can talk about the industry. We can talk about equipment. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I think that that's of so much value to people. Um, and there are some people, Eric, that aren't our customers. I mean, to that right. point, there are some people that, you know, we get phone calls and it's, you know, how much, it, you know, it's like you answer the phone, you know, Rock US, it's like, how much is this press? And it's like, we won't give a price. Mm -hmm. If someone calls in and asks that question, they're not going to get a price. They're going to yeah. get a slew of questions about their business because I, I don't want to sell. If someone called in and, and, and wants an 18 color machine and they're just like, how much is this? And then I learn that they're going from manual to auto for the first time, right. that their business is solely, you know, reliant on, you know, four color prints or, or lower that, you know, even though they may have the money, I'm not going to sell it to them because they don't need it because we want that person to grow. We want them to grow with us because if we do the right thing by them that first time around, they're going to grow. And then they're going to need another press or they're going to need a bigger machine or they're going to need, you know, automatic reclamation or whatever the case may be. So, you know, and some people hate that. And so they hang up the phone and they probably go to, you know, one of our competitors and they buy a press. But you know what's interesting? If we do our job right, they may buy that other press, but they'll be back. And, and, and that is kind of cocky, but they'll be back because eventually if they do grow and they keep in contact with us and we can help them with their business, even if they weren't a customer, I can't tell you how many people that I've gotten off the phone with and maybe they went and bought a, you know, a blue press or red press or whatever it may be that have gotten it and then picked up the phone and, and called me for business advice. And it's like, I'll sit on the phone with you for, you know, an hour and talk about your company and, you know, what I've been through and maybe what can help you. 
And what's interesting is if you create that relationship, I think that that's what really goes a long way. So that's our philosophy. I mean, I don't know if that completely answers your question. But yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it's very similar here to, uh, to, to some extent, but, you know, for, uh, for that story I gave earlier, like, yeah, that's absolutely someone that, like, we treat as a partner and, like, his growth is our growth. And, and that's really the bottom line for the majority of our customers, too, that it's like, we want to do well so they can do well. And then it just, the, the business sort of snowballs from that. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I think that it's like a very important thing to sort of know that like you can, you can be higher in price and you can stand kind of behind your beliefs. If, you know, it's all yeah. conviction. <laughs> if, it's if you believe in yourself enough to do it, then you, sh- you, you can easily do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've got to have a clear vision. You've got to be true to who you are and what you represent. I think you have to fully understand what that means. I mean, you have to self-reflect as, you know, a company, but then the people within the business, everyone that works for you needs to fully understand that. They need to know the why, the vision, you know, the mission, understand the values of the company. And I, I think once you can build that culture strong enough, it's so easy to have those conversations with potential customers and get them to feel what you're convicted of. I mean, if you're truly convicted of something, they're, they're going to get it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, T-shirts are T-shirts. Printing is printing. There is differences. Equipment's equipment, right? It all does the same thing, whether it's a manual, an auto, and whichever brand of auto it is, Right. So it's, 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 what are you getting that's going to help your business? And then two, what are you getting out of the relationship? And I think mm-hmm. that the relationship sometimes is worth its weight in gold and far more important than some of the other things that I think people worry about mm-hmm. because that relationship's what's going to help get your business to the next stage and actually make more money. So you may spend a little bit more upfront, but then down the road, you're going to make that back tenfold. And it goes back to what you said earlier about karma. Right. It's like if you really create that relationship and you're helping each other, you know, it it always works out better than just one and done. Thanks for your money. See you later, you know, and a walk to the bank. So, yeah, Uh, for our case in particular, I think that's really, really the case. I see us at Rock US as a, a kind of two offerings that go hand in hand. The first is obviously like I know we have a product called the eco, but it really is the rock ecosystem that you walk into with uh, our products. Um, And aside from that, as you know, knowing that everything will fit together seamlessly, it is that partnership in print. Like I feel like, and we've talked about this Ross, like in some ways, the the auto press or whoever you happen to identify with uh, gear wise uh, takes, you know, second seat to the long-term partnership in print, wherever you happen to be in that journey is is really what uh, drives me to be a part of this. And, and seeing the long-term, uh, like you're saying, the relationship back and forth is critical and so rare, almost in any industry. And so being able yeah, to see the, that is, is really moving. None of us are perfect, but if you own those imperfections and are transparent about them, that's what builds relationships. I mean, Rock US isn't perfect. Our equipment's not all perfect, but I'm the first one that'll own. You know, if you talk to me on the phone and you're interested in something, whatever, it's like, here's where we're at with this. You know, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Let's figure something out. And I mean, me and Eric have even had talks about this recently, you know, as they're expanding and growing. And I think 
that that relationship is is what's key and you know everything will come along and get to where it needs to be and that transparency makes a big difference and vice versa i just worked with eric on a project and he gave me the same transparency of speech which was fantastic so there it is you know again it comes it all comes around right it's yeah. uh we're yeah so it's really cool nice uh um, well a couple follow-up questions uh marketing wise unless you had something else for us no, okay. please, go ahead. Um, so a couple things. Uh, I'd love to learn what inspired the 70s kind of vintage retro logo you guys have. And the this, this slogan that I saw on Instagram of we make things you want to wear is stellar. Uh, where did that come from? And did you, um, again, going back to the previous question, did you notice a shift when you adopted that to the responses that you got, whether on social media or in person, et cetera? You wanna talk about the logo? Yeah, sure. We are big, big fans of mid-century modern design. Um, that was our goal in recreating this. I think this is our fourth iteration yeah. of the Night Owls logo at this point. I think we're keeping this one though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the idea behind it was just something that was just like very simple and clean and, and recognizable, and recognizable um, but also has like a classic element, which again, very, very mid-century modern, which is very, very clean lines. Mm -hmm. And looking at like even like mid-century modern, like graphic design, mm -hmm. um, very much along the same lines, which is very simple, but like very bold and very identifiable. Like you can recognize it from across the room and you know, the diamond shape is nothing special, but like, uh, if you see that diamond pattern, like you can, if you're in the world of screen printing, you know exactly yeah. what shop it's from. So, uh, yeah, our friend Blake Jones did that. He did a, a great job. Um, and the tagline, taglines come from like a lot of different influences. A lot of it is, uh, very much like from Mark Coudray's Catalyst program. And it's sort mm -hmm. of like a lot of the teaching that, that he sort of talks about, um, you know, Ross, like you said, we all, you know, there's a million ways to print t-shirts. We all print t-shirts. Everyone can do it. Uh, there's nothing special about it, but like, we're not really, we're not in the business of printing t-shirts. We're, we're in the business of, you know, connecting our customers to their fans and helping connect their communities. And if our method or our media is printing t-shirts, why would we want to supply our customers with something that is like, a thick plastisol print that's scratchy and, you know, we're in Houston, so pull sweat behind it. Like no one wants to be sweaty and have just like a bulletproof <laughs> vest on them. Um, and so that was a big transition for us to go to Waterbase with the ultimate goal of providing merchandise that people actually wanted to wear. We want the goods that we make to be the first goods that our customers' customers, they take out of the wash. That's their favorite shirt. It's the shirt they sleep in. It's the shirt that's like their lounge shirt at home, like because it feels good. It feels comfortable. Um, and and we felt that we were uniquely uniquely qualified to be able to produce those types of prints. Nice. Uh, where did the name Night Owls come from? Uh, it came from uh, a friend's band uh, called Bridge nice. and Tunnel. Uh, that we're, we're very big fans of, uh, but also it just seemed to fit because we were working at night a lot. At the like, time. Cool. Um, yeah. It fits. It fits. It, it certainly it, does. You know, it, <laughs> night owl's print shop is a little weird, and, and honestly, like, we're 
campaigning hard to just drop it to night owls, but uh -huh. <laughs> uh, even that is like, ah, it's whatever. Fair enough. I love it. It's unique. Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite chat you know, names, actually. We get to read a yeah. lot of business names in the screen printing industry. Um, we have a whole system full of them. What's, what's, so, what's the worst one? You got to say it now. I ask. You got to say it. You can't cut this oh, out, Meryl. I don't actually. Oh, gosh. God. I don't know. We had I, one today that was really funny. Um, and I'm not going to be able to think of it. <laughs> Non-committal. It was like... <laughs> No, no, no. It's like <laughs> racking my brain. You put me on the spot. We're going to have to like, I will look and on yeah, the next episode, we can start the episode with like the, we'll call it the best name shop. Mm -hmm. Sure. The air quotes up. Um, Cause I don't want to like make anyone, you know, pissed off if they're listening, but there are some <laughs> funny ones. There's some creative, there was um, talk shirty to me. That's a funny sure. word. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, God, what was, I don't know what the one was today. I'll come up with some things. There's a lot, though, that are the same. A lot of people like the word liquid. We've mm -hmm. got a lot of liquids. Yep. Um, a lot of things with the name ink in them. I mean, that's okay. just, you know, really common. Um, you guys are just, it's different. You know, it's, it's, it's unique. It's unique to you. It's not about what you do necessarily. It's just unique to you. And I think that that's kind of cool. I always think of, like, you know, what's recognizable? Google. It's not even a word, you know, yeah. but it's like, yeah. I, I like that kind of stuff. It is now, officially. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, so yeah. That's definition? Oh, yeah. I'm it's sure in the it dictionary, I'm sure. I, I just wish that the, uh, the domain nightowls.com was a lot cheaper than <laughs> it actually is. But oh, does someone okay. else own it? Uh, you guys like own a, domain? No, we don't. We don't. But it's it's held by like. You know, one of those companies that just buys like oh. hundreds of domains and just holds it. So yeah. last last time I checked, I think it was at fifty thousand uh, dollars. So yeah. you know, <laughs> easy easy Don't money. Don't you guys wish that we were all like super smart back in like the mid nineties <laughs> and just went online and bought a bunch of URLs for like what? They're probably like a dollar or two. Probably, right? yeah. yeah. I think they were less than hundred now because they're a dollar now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no more dot coms left, though, Meryl. They're all gone. Wow. Can't find a dot com anymore. But the ones yeah, you we do. can't actually find who owns rock.com. Hmm. Oh, really? owns it. It's not live. No, that's why we're rock.us, which is, is perfect because of the name. Yeah. But um, yeah, we we can't figure it out. We've had GoDaddy do the research multiple times. No one gets back to them. So okay. it will just be out there in cyberspace. Or if you're listening, whoever owns rock.com, I'm ready to negotiate. So Release give it. me a call. I bet, it's, I bet it's Bruce. Bruce from Printava. That's my <laughs> All right. That. Maybe Bruce is listening then. So Bruce, if you're listening and you own it, let me know. And he should because uh, well, I think he's on the next episode. Oh, I'll just ask him. He is yeah. on the next episode. Yeah. Perfect. I'm going to let he, him know that, that Eric... Eric uh, I outed him with his domain <laughs> domain dominatrix uh, second second life. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I kind of wanted to end the show, um, let people know where they can find uh, you guys, Eric and Val, your Instagram handles, Facebook, website, etc. And um, go from there. Yeah, it's uh, it's all uh, Night Owls Print, and it's spelled N I G H T. Um, we do a ton of posts through Instagram um, and some of that trickles over to Facebook and Twitter, but usually Instagram is the 
easiest way to see what we're doing and uh, and get in touch with us. Night and then nightowlsprint.com. Okay, mm-hmm. very cool. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. It was an awesome yeah. conversation. I uh, look forward to seeing you both uh, whenever it is safe. Uh, <laughs> to, I, do, uh, I do have one travel. quick question before we oh, leave. Yeah. Um, just because it is everything that we do. Val, what made you dye your hair rock green? We love that. <laughs> that got just called happened. Out. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, no, I, it was turquoise for a while and then it just kind of faded. So now I'm green. <laughs> hey, we'll take it. Any, uh, any special Valentine's or Super Bowl uh, plans for you too, for Night Owls or? Nope. <laughs> any any fun prints that y'all are doing? Please tag us. We'd love to share that. We'd love to share that yeah, with sure. everybody. We're watching. always doing crazy, crazy prints. We're I think. doing yeah. some St. Patrick's Day ones. Yep, a couple out. St. Patrick's Day ones. I feel like most of our clients, like, we didn't do too many Valentine's Day prints this year, but, um, but we're always doing just weird and odd, kind of cool prints. So, yeah, uh, yeah. check it out on nice. Instagram. All right. <laughs> I should have worn my shirt today, actually. It's just so scary. Um, they printed a shirt. I don't know. Was that? A, I think it was probably for a band called Lunchbox. And it had uh, oh. uh, like cat, like a black cat on it, a bunch of blood. Oh, yeah. Stuff. That's right. Yeah. The one that you got, I think, was one that didn't discharge right. So that's why we had it. <laughs> no, I it's love cool. it. And it's, it's in my closet. And my nickname for years was Lunchbox. Uh, it's actually engraved on my bowling ball. Um, <laughs> apparently, I really like to eat food. And yes, I have a bowling ball that's, that's monogrammed amazing. with my nickname. <laughs> I think the first time we met Buck, uh, oh, yeah. we were giving him a hard time because he talked about hurting his wrist bowling. <laughs> I think uh, if All I right, remember. Lay it on. <laughs> Yeah, it was in a league. It was bowling leagues are fun. It was an excuse one day to like put on my funky shoes. I did not peg Buck as a bowler. That's all. Hey, Buck. Buck, I think's intense at like any sport. Like I can imagine him bowling would be this very intense situation. Very Um, serious. I'm going to say let's uh, put a pin in that and we can uh, wrap this up and let these fine (laughs) ladies and gentlemen uh, so we don't strike out. Come on, help me out here, y'all. But how proud of of that pin joke were you or that that pin engine? I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were pretty proud. I wasn't. yeah, it was like I, I sensed a potential pride, but it, it fizzled pretty quick. So, yeah. It was good. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a round of applause. Win some, you lose some. Thank you, sir. We'll have to have a whole episode of you and Mark Showman doing dad jokes together because that is their banter back and forth on every meeting. It's like these just amazing dad jokes that drop constantly. And they're all over my head. I'm like, I just sit there. And then like, they're like, do you even get that? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> well, cool. This was great. Thank you so much for having us. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for everything. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And to all the listeners out there, press onward and rock on. Cheers. Much gratitude to Val and Eric Solomon of Night Owls Print for joining us today. As always, thank you for spending time with us this week. 
Tune in at your convenience wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Rock Shop Talk. Our next episode will dive even further into the best screen printing shop operation practices. If you'd like to request to be on the show, please visit rock.us slash rockshoptalk. If you found today's episode helpful, please recommend it to a friend who you think may find it helpful as well. Please like, share, and subscribe on social media. Until next time, rockers, press onward. Rock Shop Talk.